ever noticed in your relationship, things are going along great and it feels good and you're so happy to be in it. And then you don't even know why, but suddenly it's like a little bit like like you're tiptoeing around or like you start getting worried that like you're going to get the other person upset and, and you can just sort of feel tension building and then wouldn't you know it, the slightest thing happens, boom. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of the Tea Please podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. And here is where we spill the tea on important conversations like mental health, self-exploration, self-discovery, confidence, kind of like the real life stuff. I love to have real conversations. Like if I'm meeting you for coffee, if we're hanging out one-on-one, like I want to know what's going on. And it's about the stuff that I'm bringing to the podcast. So I think of this podcast as really like, If I were having conversations with you and getting to know you, this is the type of stuff that I love to talk about because I think it's really important and it helps me navigate my own life. So I'm hopeful that it helps others as well. Today's episode is one that I've been wanting to bring to the podcast for a while and it's about relationships. We have Natalie Hartney on the podcast today. She's a board-certified counselor working in private practice since 2014, and she also has a podcast. It's called The Bad Childhood by The Optimist Therapist Podcast. She talks about her childhood and really her story. I think there's a lot of power in story, so definitely check out her podcast. She's amazing. I know that you'll find that out on this episode, but we're talking about toxic relationships. We cover narcissists on this podcast. We cover trauma bonding. We cover love bombing. We talk about the difference between actual love, healthy relationships and loving, caring partnerships versus trauma bonding and why we might stay in situations longer than we know are good for us and why it's so hard to maybe get out. And we also cover how to get out and kind of get the ball rolling and reclaiming Um, some of the pieces that might get lost in those messy relationships. So obviously, maybe not so obvious, but I am happily married. I got married back in May and I am so thankful for my now husband and this episode is not about him whatsoever. But one of my really, really, really big struggles throughout my 20s was picking the wrong people and just staying in relationships and kind of like self-sabotaging and just seeking out people that were really pretty awful. So I touched a little bit on some of my experience with that in this episode. I'm happy to say that I feel very far removed from that situation and I totally feel like I'm in a good place. But those relationships in my early 20s definitely impacted my confidence, my self-trust, the way I see myself. I had issues with perception. Am I seeing things correctly? because I'm constantly being told that what I'm thinking is wrong or what I'm feeling is wrong or I shouldn't feel that way. And um, relationships with unhealthy behaviors like this can be really, really, really impactful. And that's why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because it doesn't have to be that way. And I think it's just incredibly difficult to get out of situations like that because they are so emotional and there's so much going on. But Natalie does a great job in this episode talking through the warning signs and 
framing some of the questions that we can ask ourselves if we are kind of like having a gut feeling about a relationship or if we're not in an unhealthy relationship and maybe we know someone who is and we're not sure how to navigate through that with them and really support them in the way that they need. It can be frustrating to be supporting someone who's in an unhealthy relationship and watching someone you care about go through that. So we talk about that as well. And one thing I wanted to say before we get into it is that this episode is very much framed in the context of like a romantic relationship or like a dating relationship, but um, trauma bonding and unhealthy relationships and, and the stuff that we're talking about can definitely apply to any type of relationship, whether that's familial or friendship. It can be so many different things, not just in a romantic sense. So just wanted to clear that up. And I hope you find this episode interesting. I think it's always interesting because I love to hear about how people have relationships. And I've just always been so interested in like humans and their behavior and what they do and why they do it and what their minds are thinking. My major in college was family studies and human services because I just was so fascinated by people and why they do what they do. It's also why I like marketing because for some reason we see something and then it makes us do things like buy something or It influences us. So always have been so interested in human behavior and this episode is all about that. Okay, enough with the intro. Let's get into it with Natalie. We were just talking about how in therapy when someone is kind of processing through their relationship, they might notice some red flags Mm -hmm. at that point. But you were mentioning that The language that you use can sometimes shut someone down. So walk us through language that you think is more helpful. Sure. So when clients come in and we're dealing with relationship issues, if I were to open with, oh, this sounds like an abusive relationship, I would never see them again because it so flies in the face of how they see what they are considering their love relationship. So Another way to talk about it is to compare love to trauma bonding. And a few years ago, Mary J. Blige came out and she was talking about trauma bonding, trauma bonding. And she said, everybody should talk to their therapist about it. And I was like, yes, yes, please do. So there is a distinct difference between love and trauma bonding. And a lot of people think that they're intensely love, romantic, passionate relationship is healthy Mm -hmm because it's so exciting. But what they can come to learn through just sort of talking about it and understanding it better is that there may be abusive elements to it. Yeah. I have a million questions off the bat Mm -hmm. of what (laughs) kind of – because trauma bonding is a new – not in a new term. Like I've known that it's around. But um, I'm kind of curious what the relation is or how you would speak to like trauma bonding and – narcissistic behavior do you see that those are normally hand in hand can you have trauma bonding without like narcissistic Mm -hmm. personality traits yeah yes you can because otherwise we would say like every abusive person is a narcissist and that's not categorically the case right some people are in relationships that are abusive because that's all they know. They only know mm-hmm. how to deal with another person in that way and they don't have the skills. Yes, narcissists will frequently have abuse in relationships. Right. But again, if we if we turn the focus to what I call sort of the person in the office and look at, at the love relationship from a neutral 
perspective. Then we can just start highlighting things that may be going on that are unhealthy. And it's interesting when we talk about narcissists because a lot of the behavior is also kind of sociopathic. It's all about Mm -hmm. self-preservation. They can't even see the other person, things like that, right? Love just, or I'm using air quotes, but love relationships become just a conduit for their self-fulfillment. And trauma bonding is so much more complex than that. Okay, that's really helpful what you just said, because I think that's like a clear distinction between the two. There could be some overlap, but trauma bonding is definitely like its own category. Mm -hmm. So what is that? Like what? Yeah, well, just first. (laughs) (laughs) So trauma bonding is a term Patrick Carnes came up with, and basically what it describes is an intense relationship where the attachment of the two people becomes toxic. So it is no longer nurturing and interested in the betterment of the two people and the growth of intimacy and depth. Really what it becomes is almost like a live wire act. So every argument is life or death. Anytime they're apart for reasons we can talk about, but it it becomes like the person is completely lost without the other. They typically form, here's a good way to to, um, illustrate the difference between the two. Love grows over time. And we have all these other words for it, right? We've got infatuation, we have interest, right? We have longing and fantasizing and love grows and, and deepens. With trauma bonding, it's very quick. It tends to be very heightened. Every every communication, every um, time that you're together, be it really carries with it an intensity. You can be on the way to dinner and be like, I don't really feel like going to this restaurant, and we go zero to 10. I feel like I've experienced that, so mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. It is hard to put into words, so I, I want to dig a little bit deeper in where the word like trauma comes mm-hmm. from, because I'm wondering like, is trauma in trauma bonding from like that scenario? Like, is that the trauma? Like I wanted to, I changed my mind and you got really mad at me and that's a traumatic experience. Or is it like both people may have unresolved trauma yeah. that they're bringing to the relationship? Like which way does it kind so of So this go? is a great question because trauma ends up running through trauma bonding. So there may be an instance where one partner or both come from a traumatic background. And because of that, there I call it the love radar being broken. Like our radar just doesn't work. Yeah, like you can't register like when someone is actually like trying to work with you because it it might seem self-serving mm-hmm. to you or just like your filter might be off. Right. And so imagine a person grows up in trauma and there was danger in the in the trauma. So that person has gone through life with a, with a highly activated nervous system, right? And then periodically the nervous system gets soothed. I just got the image of the gambler at the, at the pull machine. I don't know what they're called. Mm-hmm. The slot machine. Thank you, the slot machines. <laughs> and they're pulling and every once in a while they win and that feels so good. That feeling radiates through, right? So imagine someone who's been through trauma and now they're with somebody that triggers all of that familiar feeling. Mm -hmm. 
So it gets mistaken as safety because we're so used to it. But then on top of the familiarity and that feeling of safety, even though it doesn't look very comfortable to other people, comes the big payoff, the jackpot, when there is love bombing. And, you know, we use terms like that. But Yes, what is that? That is like a new thing, love bombing. Yes, it is. (laughs) It is. So love bonding will happen when just when maybe you think you're done, you're ready to go, that's it, you've had it. All of a sudden, the flowers arrive, the deep, long, meaningful, I'm going to change because I love you so much. I would never change Mm. for anybody, but I'll change for you. These sorts of reinforcing messages. And because we're from trauma, we've been probably dying to hear a lot of that stuff for our whole lives. And so when we get, like, as the term says, love bombed, it is disorienting. Well, especially if you've probably been like, One, you probably don't hear those things very often from that person. So they're giving it to you as like a manipulation tactic to like keep you Mm -hmm. on the hook basically when you're saying like, no, I'm really done with this or I want to move on. This is like exactly true to my experience. Yeah. And I I just want to share a little bit about like my experience with that because it was, I mean, I was like so done at that point that it had no effect on me and I was like, thank you, this is not my problem. You should go tell someone else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it was like, I didn't know like where this was coming from and he would never tell me. And then finally he did like when I was like, we are finished here. Yeah. And then opened up and told me like all of this stuff that he had basically not processed from his childhood. And I was like, this is way too much, way too late for the wrong person. Like even if I was in a better headspace, I could not be equipped to help you with this. So thank you. Goodbye. See you later. Right, right. You said something really interesting there that I think is important to to point out. And that is that sometimes manipulations are unconscious. The person doesn't know they're doing it. Good point. So oftentimes in trauma bonded relationships, we will make excuse for our part and excuse for our partners is we'll say, Yeah, but they didn't you know, they don't even really know or no, he really meant it or she really meant it. And all of that's probably true, but it still doesn't mean it's healthy. And what do you say to someone who's struggling with that? Because oftentimes, like, it doesn't typically come from someone who has really solid footing and sense of self. And, you know, they're looking for, you know, selfish reasons to make themselves feel better in a relationship a lot of times. And so Mm -hmm. when you do notice, like, okay, this person is doing this out of, like, pain and struggle – but it's also not something I want to take on, but I feel really connected to them. Like, how do you walk someone through how to make that choice for them? This is the greatest question in the world, hands down. (laughs) I know, really hard to answer too, I'm sure. (laughs) You'd be surprised. But what you're talking about is a consistent focus on the other rather than self. So your Mm -hmm. question assumes that my primary interest is the other person and taking care of them and watching out for their needs at the expense of self. And love, healthy functional love, is each of us watching out for our own stuff and maybe even making sure it doesn't spill onto the other person Mm -hmm. in a way that's harmful, right? So you can already see the the shift in dynamic that if my primary concern is how you're doing, then I might be in a trauma-bonded relationship because I've given over any care to how I'm doing. And in fact, in trauma-bonded relationships, and I wonder if you went through this, it's almost like a a losing touch with, with reality. Like 
we begin to not be able to perceive an objective reality. And instead, mm-hmm. what we do is we live by the subjective reality we're told that we're that we should live in. Yeah, and there's so many different layers to that because depending on like why you're in that situation or why you're drawn to trauma bonded relationship or like one that's not healthy. Like for me, I have great parents, I have great family, like I have a different context to pull from. So I was quicker to realize this sucks and mm-hmm. I don't need to do it because I I've, I know that it doesn't have to be this way. But a lot of people don't because they come from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. that is what they know. So it's kind of like that safety, quote unquote, like perceived safety that you were talking about earlier yes. that kind of keeps them there because they might not know like what else is out there or right. what it looks like to prioritize yourself in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another interesting realm of this conversation because it's like, how do I prioritize myself without being selfish? You know, I again, great setup there because in trauma-bonded relationships, anything one does for themselves is marked as selfish. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we start to entertain this idea of like, well, how, let's start with this. Many people in trauma-bonded relationships are perfectly satisfied being there until somebody maybe brings it to their attention or something catastrophic happens. And, and the reason people can be happy in, in these types of relationships is because they believe in something bigger that's right around the corner. And that could Meaning like be, their relationship is going to get better? Oh my goodness. As, as soon as he gets this new job, he's going to be better. As soon as she works this out with her sister, she's not going to scream at me anymore. As soon, right? There's always the promise of it being better. And the idea that my partner, this isn't really them. The real them is the person I met originally. Mm-hmm. If we didn't originally like the person or have attraction, it'd be a non-issue. And of course, someone who has selfish tendencies or Mm -hmm. is prone to love bombing or detachment or whatever, like, of course, they're going to put their best foot forward when they're first like engaging with you because that's how they get these relationships in place in the first place. Right. And not even as a not as a tactic, but just out of a human desire to bond with others, but not have an ability to do it in a way that is safe for partners that is actually rooted in love. Yes. I, I just want to call out like things that you're making me process and like see differently even yeah. because people, the conscious level of someone who may have like toxic behaviors, I think that's mm-hmm. really important because I think myself included, sometimes we think like, well, they're just really malicious and they're doing this on purpose and they're being malicious and manipulative to me, fully conscious of what they're doing. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it can be because people learn like, you know how people react to certain things that they do and say but Mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't know and it's their own thing like when they they know like okay if I'm putting this best foot forward this is how I can get someone interested in me but can't really keep it up long term right because one not having the skills and two when we have love that requires intimacy right that's a getting closer when we have trauma bonding it is a rejection of intimacy and closeness So when a person starts to get too close, below our level of awareness, I have to find a way to push you back because now I feel really endangered. And going back to that question of narcissism, that's exactly what will happen with a narcissist because below the surface level, there's nothing. There's nothing. And that's because they don't have like the capacity. I'm so interested in narcissists because I'm like, 
do they have a chance? Because we hear like, okay, if you just have to get out. Like, and I'm like, there's a lot of narcissists out there that just are hopeless. Like, they can't be better. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> so narcissism is considered a, a personality trait. It is long-term. It is deep. So learning how to operate as a narcissist in a way that is healthy is possible and to have partnerships with narcissists that, you know, aren't maybe going to look like June and whomever Cleaver, you know, it's going to be, it'll have different parameters around the relationship in most cases. And there's like a spectrum of narcissistic behaviors and personalities like that would be easier to manage, especially if... I'd imagine that that person has to be like really committed to self-awareness, which I think is a big challenge because you don't always know what's self-serving or what's <laughs> not helpful. When I treat, when in the past I've treated narcissists and I'm, I'm like, oh, has anybody ever introduced the idea of narcissist? They're like, oh yeah, I'm a total narcissist. <laughs> Hear it all like, the time. Like, Yeah, it's not like, oh, I'm so embarrassed I'm a narcissist. It's like, of course I'm a narcissist. I'm amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so interesting. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a... I don't know. It is their personality through and through that's very complex. I wanted to just go back quickly to the question yeah. of selfishness. Mm-hmm. Because one of the one of the questions I often get is like, well, now what do I do with it? And helping a person to see the relationship they're in versus the relationship they wish it was requires people to do something quite selfish. And that is to just simply check in once in a while. In this moment, where I am right now, is this satisfying? Is this where I want to be? And that helps on two things. One, it turns the attention back to self. Does this work for me? Okay, I'm going to play like devil's advocate for a Mm -hmm. second. Because what would you say to someone who's like, well, every relationship has its problems. This is just ours. Like every relationship goes through ebbs and flows and we're in a tough time right now. Right. And you get to have that. Any therapist, the goal is for you to have the most functional relationship you can have. But what a therapist should never say is you need to get out of that and leave that. Because this might actually be the safest thing you can do right now. Mm -hmm. So a therapist would never say like you have to get out of that relationship because the next one you get in could be even worse. So what we want to do is safety plan for the persons for the person who's in it. And then if it is this trauma bonded and the person is starting to feel less comfortable in the relationship, we want to help them effort to begin to turn their attention back to self. And that's going to feel selfish and disloyal. Yeah, I mean, and Baby it is stuff. selfish, but it is good. I think like the whole vocabulary and language around being selfish is has always just been really interesting to me too because people have a lot of beliefs and a lot of people think like they sh- like thinking about themselves in any capacity is selfish and I want to have like a servant heart and I want to serve all these people in my life especially people that I care about and want to have a relationship in so it can be a really challenging thing to do if we are serving we must also be being served Yeah. So maybe it's reflecting on that then. Like, since you are putting all of this effort in, are you getting it back? Right. Is there (laughs) a return on investment, so to speak? Yeah. And what we know about love is that it deepens intimacy and builds strength. 
So if you're in a relationship where you feel like things aren't getting any deeper, we're having the same argument, the same fight, we're staying in the same place, and I'm not being built up, I'm being torn down or made to feel like if I do anything for myself that's wrong, then what about self-determination and self-advocacy and what happens to all of that then? Over time, I think is probably like the name of the game when it comes to these types of relationships because kind of going back to like the very first thing we were talking about, like just acknowledging that this isn't a healthy thing to be in is really scary. And having to make like a drastic change Mm -hmm. is scary. But I think being able to go through some of these questions over time and recognize like, okay, it's been X amount of months now and I'm still feeling like this and I've tried this and it's not working. So I'd imagine that you have like a lot of follow-up conversations when couples are struggling with this. Mm -hmm. One of the things about taking this slowly is that people will have a moment of great clarity. And one of the things I describe to people to help them achieve clarity is I will just describe a dynamic that happens. And it'll go something like this. Um, Have you ever noticed in your relationship, things are going along great and it feels good and you're so happy to be in it. And then you don't even know why, but suddenly it's like a little bit like, like you're tiptoeing around or like you start getting worried that like you're gonna get the other person upset. And, and you can just sort of feel tension building. And then wouldn't you know it, the slightest thing happens, boom. And then the next thing that happens is there's this intense coming back together. And that's lovely, right? That happens in relationships. And when we have that boom and we come back together, we want to be more deeply bonded and better understanding of each other. And we want to have growth. In trauma bonding, we come back together and then we notice we're kind of tiptoeing again. We can Mm -hmm. feel the tension building. And again, we don't know why. Yeah. And then the bomb goes off again. Right. And sometimes when you say that to people, they're like, oh my gosh, that's like the last six months of this relationship. And so now we're getting the idea that what we're doing is just spinning in place and we're not getting closer, deeper, more loving, more understanding, enriched. Another thing that I, that I do with my clients is I ask them to write down the last 10 things that come to mind when I say think of that relationship. In healthy relationships, it's like, oh my God, we cracked up when we saw my neighbor walking the dog or we whatever, right? It's just the first 10 things. Yeah. In trauma bonding, it's like him screaming at me in the car in the windows, fogging up. Mm-hmm. Or being ignored at, you know, when I went to go get my my award. It's it's things that are on a scale of 1 to 10 of intensity, like 7 to 10. Mm-hmm. And that lets us know, like, okay, our memories, our brains are trying to be like, clear the fog, <laughs> clear the fog, send help. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just like feel so much for people that go through this or like are going through it because I it's it's sounding familiar. I mean, going through that, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can name off like 10 stupid things that I quote unquote got in trouble for. And like, the response was so extreme for it was like I offered someone else at the table my tomato that I didn't want and I didn't offer it to you. And that was like, whoa, that was bad. Right. Right. And I'm like, what? Okay. On any other day, that could be like completely not an issue, but it's that tiptoe feeling 
And then that was the thing that set it off. That I, I'm like, obviously, I could never see that coming because I'm just being normal. Right. <laughs> yes, that's a great way to say it. When you being normal gets you in trouble, yeah, that's a great indicator. And again, I'm not saying it's an indicator you should run out the door, leave, ditch this, you know, SOB. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is take some time to find a quiet internal space and simply ask, does this work for me? Is this working for me? Am I growing? Am I expanding? Then if we get to, you know, no, I'm not, that's when we do the the next sort of steps. The reason we have to close in so close to like in this moment now is because, again, I'm gonna go back to that idea of losing touch with objective reality because nothing is present tense. In, in present tense, you offered the tomato to somebody else. You're not going to get back to present tense until he's good and damn well ready for you to. I think that's really interesting what you're saying about objective reality because I think that that brings me to like perception because I think that's something that gets really lost when you're in mm-hmm. these types of relationships because it does make you question like, well, maybe I am like really selfish because this person keeps having problems with me doing this stuff and you know, maybe I really should think about that. So kind of like blowing this out to if you do decide this is not serving me anymore, like this relationship is not something that I want to be a part in. It's not giving me that growth. It's not giving me true intimacy. This is not where I want my life to go. Mm -hmm. How do you begin to heal? Because I'd imagine that there is some healing that needs to be done if you're in a trauma-bonded relationship for any amount of time. Sure, sure. And In addition to the healing, before we get to the healing, we have to find the path out. Mm -hmm. And for many people, an internal process will begin of, this actually isn't working for me. And then a challenge of the negative self-talk. So if someone has convinced me, I don't know, I'm fat and lazy. Let's say they've convinced me of that. I have to start challenging that. Because I'm not going to be very motivated to leave if I'm just feeling like, well, thank God they're staying with me because I'm fat and lazy and nobody would ever, right? So the first thing is to challenge that and to create a space for self-compassion. And the way that I talk about self-compassion, I think it's the easiest way to visualize it, particularly in trauma-bonded relationships. We have super highways of misinformation, perception, guilt, feeling, shame, all super highways of all this stuff. And in the middle, we need to build a park. And and in that park, we need to um, create spaces where it's quiet enough for us to hear ourselves. And from that space of self-compassion to start to identify with who was I before this person came along? Or in my case, because I work with a lot of trauma survivors, who were you before you were traumatized? Who did you hide away in order to survive in this? And then let's just start having conversations with that part of yourself. You know, maybe somebody was very artistic before. Okay, great. So a little notebook where you can just start being artistic. And it's just a a reconnection of self to authentic self. And then from there, the really important part and probably the hardest part 
is to make reconnections with people that you maybe have been, I want to be careful because I don't want to use too much abusive language Mm -hmm. or abusive relationship language, but maybe there's been some isolation or burnout. You just don't have enough energy for other relationships. We've kind of framed this conversation talking like the person would be quote unquote, like the victim to someone who is doing this to them or they're they're the ones like you need to walk around eggshells around them. But I mean, ownership needs to happen because what if you're contributing that because of your past experiences, unconscious behaviors that you're projecting? Maybe you're making your partner walk on eggshells and you get bored and fidgety and then you make you pick a fight one night because That's what you're used to. So I think it's important to also mention like the ownership on both sides and recognize like what you're bringing to the relationship because you are a part of it. That it can. And also that's so brilliant. It is a relationship is two people in relation and a trauma bonded relationship doesn't survive unless both people are playing a role in it to to maintain it. That same thing can be the thing that makes it hard to leave because then the one or the other partner will be like, well, I did it too. I'm bad. I'm this. I'm that. So when we, when we move it out of the realm of being intentionally malicious or vindictive and saying like, these are continuation of, of patterns, both people are engaged in it. And when it's, time for for somebody to leave the relationship to be welcomed back into friends family that love that that can help the person reintegrate into a reality of the here and now and take ownership as you as you so eloquently put and continue to heal then then we're all better moving into our next relationships hopefully Yes, hopefully. Uh, there's so many. I mean, it's it's a hard it's a harder conversation than I thought it would be to have, honestly, because there's so many different elements and little pockets of like what can contribute to a relationship that might looks like that might look like this. Because mm-hmm. um, everyone is so complex and bringing their own things to the table, past yeah. experiences, subconscious, unconscious behaviors. Like it's just so much. Yeah. But to kind of end things here if there is one thing that you could leave to encourage someone who is maybe processing through some of this what is maybe one question that you'd have them take a look at so the one thing i would ask and and generally do ask is about the intensity of the relationship how intense is the relationship and what are the quiet moments like the other thing i look for is hero worship in the relationship if one person hero worships and the other one isn't really that interested that's what do you mean what is that so let's say one person is saying oh my gosh he's amazing he's got the greatest job he does this or that and it's all very like he he can do no wrong Mm -hmm. then the next thing that i'll that i'll hear is um i just can't get him to understand me i keep trying to get him to see but he just, it's like he's not interested in understanding me. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, almost like all those other things make up for like a very important need in a relationship. Like right. they're in different buckets. Right, right. So when somebody seems like the cat's meow, 
but they're not really that keen on providing you with that same energy, that, that can be a big indicator that there's something amiss in the relationship that just makes it, if not trauma bonded, a less than functional, healthy, loving relationship. Yeah, still something to question. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I think more and more conversations need to happen like this because it is so complicated but mm -hmm. would love to hear where we can connect with you online what you're up to and where we can find you oh great so i just started a, a podcast called bad childhood with the optimistic therapist and um i'm just sharing stories of my own bad childhood in hopes that it gives people permission to talk about their own that sometimes we hear um you know the unspeakable happened well <laughs> How come yeah. I can't speak about it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so hoping, you know, each each episode I'm telling stories and offering a little segment, things therapists know, and a little takeaway exercise to do. Um, my website is theoptimistictherapist.com. And um, I want to thank you for what you are doing. I said to you before we came on that, um, oh, I'm getting a little emotional. Oh, <laughs> it's really you. important to give people access. So yes. thank you for that. Thank you. And it's because of people like you that are willing to come on and let me ask all of my questions. That is it for this week's episode. Go ahead and click follow wherever you're listening if you have not done that already. New episodes come out every single Monday unless I'm on a season break, which we have plenty of episodes left in this season. Um, so go ahead and click follow so you don't miss one. You know you can find me at the Tea Please podcast on Instagram. I'm pretty active on stories. I feel like that's the most natural place that I like to post. I like to just pop on and share some stuff throughout the day. Share this episode with a friend or share another episode with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All of these things you can do to help grow this podcast if you think it's helpful and got anything from listening to it. One of the biggest struggles of a podcaster is getting more ears to listen and just the distribution aspect of it. So anything you can do to help, I just love you for it. Mm -hmm.